if you can kindly take your seat. It's so great to see you. And uh, obviously today's a special service. And so we have some guests with us and some old family members that have joined us as well. And it's great to see all of you. Um, I'm going to share a word. It's quite loud for me here. I'm not sure if it is. Is it loud for you? Is it loud? <laughs> um, so if you don't mind, maybe lowering it a little bit for me here. Throughout the last two weeks, as I have been thinking about what to share to conclude the series we've been teaching on prosperity, I kept having a question that kept coming to me, which was on the lines of, what will I offer to the Lord? What will I offer to the Lord? So I want to talk on the subject I've entitled, Offering Your Sacrifice to the Lord. Offering Your Sacrifice to the Lord, which is a subtitle to what will you offer to the Lord. I want to read several scriptures and then we'll get into what I want to share. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, Paul the Apostle says to the Roman believers, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? In other words, what could I possibly give to God that would make God um, accept or really merit the kind of God that he is? What kind of sacrifice could I give to God that will be acceptable to him? And then he actually tells us, verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. One final scripture I want to read and then we're going to pray. Psalm 116, verses 12 to 14 and then verse 17 in fact verses 12 to 17 what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me what is it that I could possibly give to God to demonstrate my gratitude to him for the way he takes care of me you know right now you may not even realize the benefits that God has given to you the fact that you have the breath of life one of my dear friends, Austin, when we were younger, you always prayed this prayer, Lord, thank you for the breath of life. And when I was younger, I didn't appreciate the prayer. He was obviously far more mature and spiritual than I was. But now as I'm getting older, as I've gotten a bit older, I really appreciate the prayer because if God takes away the breath of life, that's it. Something has to go wrong with your lungs and you know how important breathing is. 
What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What could you possibly give to God for the way God blesses your life, the benefits God demonstrates to you? He says, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, my response to God is really to receive from him the very thing that brings me deliverance. The cup of salvation speaks of what actually makes you whole. And the way you show gratitude to God actually is by, in this context, is by receiving more from him. His offer of salvation, the salvation of your soul, the fact that you can be made right with him. He says, and call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, I will put my confidence in his nature. To call upon the name of the Lord is not simply to say Jesus, Jesus. It's really you putting your complete confidence and trust in the Lord. And like he tells us in Romans chapter 10, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. So he's showing us how we demonstrate to the Lord appreciation for his benefits. We receive his salvation. We call upon his name. 14. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In other words, I am willing to commit to the commitments I have made to him. When I make a commitment to him, a vow simply is a solemn declaration that you are going to do something. And so one of the ways in which you show your appreciation to God is by being a man or a woman of your word. That your word is good. That when you say something, even if it's going to hurt you, you are going to keep it. He says, now in the presence of all his people. In other words, I will do it in such a way that the people of God will know I am a man or a woman of my word. 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now here, you may think it's got nothing to do with what he's saying, but what he's actually emphasizing is this. Even the death of his saints is something we should be grateful for. Now, death is a very solemn time. It's a time of tragedy and loss. But one of the ways we demonstrate or we can um, demonstrate our appreciation to the Lord is to recognize that when we die as believers, it is not just a random thing. It's very precious in God's sight. One version says he takes great care when it comes to the death of his saints. Oh, Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. In other words, another way in which you demonstrate to God how grateful you are for him is to surrender yourself to serve him and to honor him. You have loosed my bonds. Say to your neighbor, he has loosed my bonds. You see, as a child of God, you don't know how free you really are. You are really free. God has loosed your bonds. You don't have to be under the bondage of the enemy anymore. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live under condemnation. He has loosed your bonds. It's one of his benefits. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. The sacrifice of thanksgiving is simply I will express my gratitude to you even if it hurts. I will express my gratitude to you even if it hurts. Sometimes... When you are demonstrating your gratitude to God, it will not even feel nice. 
So what are we talking about? We're talking about offering your sacrifice to the Lord. What is a sacrifice? Well, I mean, if you look at the dictionary definition, and I've kind of cobbled something up, not really cobbled, I've, this is what I think. It's an act of surrendering a possession or something of value as an offering to God. Surrendering something of value as an offering to God. So what is the thing that you consider most valuable in your life? Now in this context, the question is, what will you offer to the Lord? Sacrifice also involves giving up something that is of worth for the sake of other considerations related to God and his kingdom. So because of who he is and because of his kingdom, you are prepared to give up something that will be an expression of the fact that you appreciate him and that you love him. Now, sacrifice is always painful. Sacrifice is always painful. Whenever you sacrifice something, it will hurt. So if, if, if I give something to God that I'm not really feeling, it's not a sacrifice. The, the other day when, when I was talking, I talked about the widow's might. The widow's might really was less than one penny in, in value. But the widow's might represented the whole wealth. So anybody who wants to give a widow's might is really saying they want to give everything. Because after this widow gave her might, she had nothing left. So the widow, for that widow, her might was everything she had. But I wonder what your widow's might is. It might be your big house, your lovely car. It might be that bank account that is looking very beautiful right now. It's not your overdraft. It's not that. <laughs> so, a sacrifice will always hurt. I want to read something that Paul says that kind of speaks of sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the price is temperate or disciplined in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, in the natural um, arena, when it comes to sports, the sporting world, everyone in those days, they would compete in order to get a prize. But the prize was simply flowers that was placed on people's head as a crown. And, and then they may get like a, the, the, a, a, some kind of privilege in the city or something. But that prize was so precious to them that they were willing to discipline themselves, restrict themselves in order to get it. And then he says, when it comes to your faith, that's how you are supposed to approach your faith. You're supposed to approach your faith in such a way that you're willing to discipline yourself, you're willing to sacrifice things in order for you to obtain the prize, which is not your salvation that you're being saved from your sins, but the prize which is that you enter into the fullness of what God has for your life. He says, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, which is eternal life, which is the, the age to come, which is a hope of a certain assurance of salvation that is not limited to the things that happen to us in this life. 
Beloved, believers today need to more and more get a paradigm of the age to come. If we are going to be able to properly share our faith and impact for Christ, like the children were saying, we have to appreciate that our faith is not based on just our natural circumstances. It's something far more profound, far more superior to my, me having my needs met, to me having an answer to this breakthrough or whatever. There is a prize of eternal life. There is a prize of the age to come. He says, therefore I run, because I have this kind of goal in my mind of eternity and the things that relate to eternity, I run thus, not with uncertainty. In other words, I'm not running, I'm not living my Christian life aimlessly. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, I'm, my struggle as a believer is not aimless and hopeless. The sacrifices that I am willing to make because of my faith has a focus in mind. 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Beloved, our faith involves tremendous sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. It involves giving up things that will hurt us. Now, there are wrong ways of sacrificing, and I want to touch on them briefly. When it comes to sacrificing for the sake of God and his purposes and his kingdom, we mustn't look at it from an Old Testament perspective. In other words, in, under the Old Testament, a lot of times things were done, sacrificed, so that sins could be covered, sins could be um, atoned for, paid for, and things like that. Under the Old Testament, you offered sacrifices in one sense to kind of court God and court his favor. But that's not how we sacrifice in the new covenant. So some wrong ways of sacrificing includes punishing ourselves. New Testament Christianity does not require penance. In other words, you punishing or inflicting pain on yourself as an expression of your repentance. As a young believer, I remember there were times if I did something wrong and I felt really bad, I would decide to fast in order to punish myself and show myself that I am not going to do that thing again and then break the fast quickly when the pain kicks in. Of course, you go back to it. Now, in some Christian traditions, people will whip themselves and things like that when, in order to, to show God that they're serious about their faith. That's, not, that's the wrong way of sacrificing. Another way of, uh, another form of wrong Sacrifices trying to appease God by giving up things. People do things in order to pacify God's anger or make God feel better about us. God, you know, I'm really serious, and because I'm so serious, I'm going to sacrifice watching telly and I'm going to pray. You can do that, it's a good idea, but that doesn't change how God feels about you. It doesn't. Jesus has paid the full price for you when it comes to your sins. And God does not look at you any different from how he looks at Jesus once you put your trust in him. Another wrong way of sacrificing is where people sacrifice in order to become more righteous. More righteous. 
But 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so by faith, our righteousness can never get better. In other words, we can never be more approved of by God than we already are when we get born again till when we die. Because when God looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of Jesus. And righteousness is a gift that we receive when we get born again. And then another way of um, uh, uh, wrong uh, sacrifices, sacrificing to gain God's favor. You can't sacrifice in order to earn God's favor because, again, when you got born again, you became his beloved son in whom he's well pleased. Just like it is with the Lord Jesus. You entered the day of his favor. Now, you can allow the favor that is yours to grow and be expressed through you, but as far as God is concerned, you are and always will be blessed and highly favored. So how do we sacrifice? Let's go back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, I implore you, therefore, brethren, now that therefore has to do with how he spoke about how amazing God was in chapter 11, the fact that you cannot search him out. You cannot figure God out. He's so amazing. He's so incredible. And he says, on the back of that, the kind of God you're serving, on the back of that, I beseech you, I'm imploring you, therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies or yourselves a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It is what is expected. It is expected that you present yourself as a living sacrifice sacrifice, which means that on a daily basis, there will be something that you will give up that is of value to you in order to express your appreciation for God. And then he adds, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read another scripture and then say a few things about these verses. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift, before, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, how do we sacrifice? The first and foremost thing when it comes to sacrifice is that we give up something for God, something of value um, for God. We give it up from a place of submission to God and his word. In other words, God is not interested in you simply giving up something for giving up sake. He's not interested in you giving your money or giving your time, or giving whatever it is that is of value to you, if you are not willing to first submit yourself to him, and then align yourself with his word. In fact, in some places, he talks about the fact that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to God. If, and by wicked, it's not simply evil people who kill people, it's anybody whose life does not align with his will. You see, from God's perspective, he is looking at the heart condition. The heart condition. 
So we sacrifice whatever we're going to give up for God must be from a place of submission to him and to his word. So we submit ourselves first to God before we are then able to offer anything to him. So in any area of our lives that God touches on, the spirit of God touches on, before we give it to him, we must first yield our hearts to him in that area. Otherwise, the offering you give is just vanity. It's just vain. In fact, I'll give you an example of an offering, an offering of prayer, let's just say. Our Lord Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pray to be heard of men. He says they have their reward already. The hypocrite prays to impress men. And then he says, when you pray, don't be like the heathen who think that they will be heard by their much speaking. The heathen prays to impress God. So they say things and they say for a long time and do it, but they have no understanding about what they're doing and the implications. And Jesus says we're not supposed to be like them. In other words, whatever we do before God, whether it's prayer or anything else, our first concern is how does this please him? And the second concern is what do I understand what I'm doing? Do I get what I'm doing? Are you still here? So we submit ourselves first to God before we're able to offer anything to him. And then we submit ourselves to his word by believing what his word says before we are able to act on his word in faith. That's very important, these two principles when it comes to sacrifice. That first of all, we are willing to submit ourselves to God before we give anything to him. And secondly, we are willing to trust his word before we are able to act on what his word says. So if, and that's what faith is. Faith is simply trusting on and being persuaded about what God says about something. That's faith in God's word. So when that is in place and then you do things that hurt you or you're giving things to God, then that kind of sacrifice is well-pleasing to him. Now, why do we sacrifice? I mean, I've already alluded to it, but let me, let me, let me kind of repeat in a different way. So let's look again in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, but this time in the, verse 1, sorry, but this time in the New International Version. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, wh why do we sacrifice? Our primary reason for sacrificing is to express our worship to God. It's as an expression of worship. Worship is simply... Giving God the value or the worth that he is due in a given context. And so the primary, primary reason why we sacrifice, why we give up things for God and his kingdom is because we are demonstrating the priority he has in our lives. We are placing him as foremost. We are demonstrating our worship. Our worship of God and our desire to honor him in everything we do is 
why we sacrifice. Now, these, this act of worship is demonstrated in different ways. So I've just highlighted them briefly in the notes, and they go like this. Number one, we demonstrate our worship and we, um, through sacrifice by obeying him. So when he tells us something and we do it, we have sacrificed. And at times, God will make demands on us that hurt. Not in order to save us, because salvation is a gift. But in order for us to become better in ourselves and for ourselves. So the paradox of salvation is like this. You are saved. Your spirit is saved. Your soul is saved forever. You're going to be with Jesus when he comes and reigns on the earth. When you die, you're going to be with him in heaven. And then when he returns again, you're going to come back with him and reign on the earth forever. And the age to come and all of that is amazing, wonderful. His kingdom. You're going to be there. And I look forward to that day. And the wonderful thing is this, that even when you die now in this time, because you've given your life to Christ, you are assured of eternal life. When you're young, you may not appreciate that, but as you get older, you realize that time is coming. Say to your neighbor, that day is coming, whether you like it or not. <clears throat> okay, just keep your face straight here. So, we offer sacrifices to God as expressions of worship in order to obey him. So God tells us to do it, and we do it. You know, Samuel said something. He said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. So even there is a place where sacrifice is not enough. So you giving the sacrifice must be from a place of obedience. Not, you ignore what God says, but I'm still going to fast for 40 days. I've seen people do that. I've never done it. I don't look like I have. I've never done it. I've never done it before, and I'm praying that God will give me the grace one day, but not today. Um, but I've seen people fast for 40 days, and then after that, leave the church. Leave the church. And I mean, leave, not the, the, the local church as in our church, but leave the kingdom of God. Secondly, why do we sacrifice? To please God. Kind of close to the obedience one, but to please him. You know, God said to Cain in Genesis 4, 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So one of the reasons why we sacrifice is we, we're doing it because we want to please God. We want God to be glad. You see, on that day when I stand before the Lord, I tell him many times, I want you to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't know what your ambition is, you know, but for me, this is a very real prayer request. I say, Dad, I want to be ready. That I don't want to have any surprise. When I stand before you on that day, I don't want to hear, who are you again? And I say, uh, Joseph, Kofi Buedu, uh, remember? No, 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 I don't know who you are. So I pray now, Lord, I don't want to have that surprise. Now, by the grace of God, he saved me, but I'm not taking it for granted. So I keep telling him, oh God, help me not to be ashamed on that day. And even many who are saved and who are saved will be still ashamed on that day because of the kind of life they lived. And that's why Jesus wipes away every tear in the new age. The first act he does is to wipe every tear because we all look back and think, oh man, I could have done much better. But you do better in Jesus' name. 
Third reason why we sacrifice is to, to praise God and express our gratitude to him. In other words, we are declaring what God is like. That's what praise is. Praise is really you declaring what God is like. You're demonstrating what God is like. Praise is not you saying nice words. A lot of people who sing songs of praise, as we call it, are very bad people. They're not nice people. They say, they say nice words, but they're not nice people. They're covenant breakers, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're immoral people, and they sing nice religious songs very nicely, and we like lemons believe them. But they're not nice people. But true praise, amen, let's just carry on. True praise, true praise is really, is really expressing our, um, declaring what God is like, and then thanksgiving is expressing our gratitude to him. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by him, our Lord Jesus, let us continue offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Another reason why we sacrifice is in order to subdue the flesh. Say to your neighbor, subdue that thing. Subdue. I tell you the flesh. It's a very naughty thing. Very naughty, the flesh. No matter how spiritual, no matter how anointed, no matter how powerful, your flesh can undo you if you remain in the flesh. No matter how powerful, Paul said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I don't want to do, I do. My flesh is giving me a problem. I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, but still, when my flesh kicks in, it kicks in. Another, another reason why we sacrifice is to pursue holiness and draw closer to God. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. This was not written to unbelievers. This was written to the saints, the dispersed Hebrews, the first Christians. This is what he wrote to them, Jesus' brother. He wrote this to them. He said, draw near to God and you'll draw near to you. He said to your neighbor, draw near to God and you'll draw near to you. You know, sometimes we say, oh God, I want to know you. I want to draw near to you. I want to draw near to you. I want to draw near to you. But not, in, not now. Not now. One day, I was listening to non-Christian music. And as I was listening, I was really enjoying myself. Nothing wrong with some non-Christian music. And then I thought, to balance it, Let's put some Christian music there. So the playlist thing. So I added the playlist. As I was listening to the non-Christian and then the Christian playlist, I thought, now this does not feel right. Take the Christian ones out. It's disturbing my flow. That tells you something about the music. You want to know the music I was listening to? None of your business. So pursuing holiness, holiness really is where you, you give up one thing in order to embrace something that God has. That's the secondary level of holiness. The primary level is that you make yourself special for God and you seek to be special for God. But the secondary pursuit of holiness is that you give up something in order to draw closer to God and make yourself more available to him. And so it tells you, to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Beloved, God loves you so much, but he will not force himself on you. You draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Even as you are trying to draw near to him, he's drawing near to you. Yeah, that's how it is. Another reason why we 
um, sacrifice is to resist temptation. Kind of close to the flesh, but temptation doesn't only come through the flesh. It also comes through the world system. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. These are, this is how the world tries to control us. And uh, sometimes you have to, something that you are being tempted. You, listen, you are never tempted with something you don't want. Like you cannot tempt me with marmalade salad. You cannot tempt me with that. No matter how hungry I am. Or even grapefruit. I can't stand grapefruit. All my family, they like sour stuff. My wife likes it, my children. That gene thing, I don't know. I'm sure that did not come from me. It came from Aisha. Because I, I, I like sweet. I'm, the, I'm a sweet guy. I like sweet things. So you can't tempt me with marmalade salad or grapefruit. But there are certain things you can tempt me with. You want to know what they are? Tell me yours first. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that every one of us, we are tempted when we are drawn by our own desires. Someone says, the devil is tempting me. No, 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 no. Sometimes the devil doesn't even need to tempt you. Just says, leave him to himself. Just demons, leave him alone. Because if he smells you around, we're in trouble. Just leave him alone. Leave him alone. Let him be bored. Let him be bored at night around 1 a.m. And just suggest to him. Don't even, don't even say anything bad. Just say, oh, watch a little telly. Just tell him, watch something on the internet. Don't, don't mention anything explicit because if he sn- smells us, he will do that rebuke thing, even add the tongue, shabo, shaba, or whatever. We don't want to be saying it here. So don't, don't, don't. And he may even say Jesus. So just suggest to him, you're tired, watch something. And then your flesh kicks in. What are we watching today? What are we watching today? What is, what is going on today? And then you start to surf. Get the skateboard and surf. But it's on the internet. And you surf. And you say, mm, what is this? What, what is this? And before you know it, you have sinned. Not because you watched the internet, but it is what you watched on the internet. So... Sometimes you have to sacrifice watching. Sometimes are you saying we shouldn't watch the internet? You see, there you go. I never said that. Sometimes you have to sacrifice certain things that are valuable to you, that give you pleasure, but make you vulnerable to other things. Let's take it, for instance, alcohol. Alcohol. Look at how serious you are looking. What is alcohol? There's nothing wrong with alcohol. The Bible doesn't say Jesus even tell. As I'm talking, I haven't even said anything. Jesus turned water into wine. What are you saying? Paul said to Timothy, a little wine for your stomach. Look at you. Why are you defending yourself? I'm not attacking you. Some Christians can drink alcohol. That is me in Jesus' name. <laughs> but you have a problem. You have a problem. Every time I just a little bit of wine. I just had a little bit of wine today. So we sacrifice to resist temptation. Third thing, fourth, seven, seven, seven. We sacrifice to increase our faith. To increase our faith. Now Jesus gave an example um, um, in in the the situation where the the child had epilepsy. They couldn't 
cast the demon out of that child that was, uh, had epileptic fits. In Matthew 17, 19 to 21, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, because of your unbelief. And then he talks about faith, and then he says, however, this kind does not go out, but by prayer and fasting. Sometimes, now prayer and fasting does not necessarily um, increase your faith. It subdues your flesh so that you can believe God for what he says. It removes the hindrance of your flesh so that you can then believe God. So prayer and fasting is really allowing the flesh to come out of the way so that you can trust God completely. And then why do we sacrifice? To benefit others. To benefit others. In, uh, in uh, John chapter 17 verse 19, our Lord said something in his prayer. He said, for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Sometimes, for the sake of others, you have to live a holier life than you would normally do. The truth of the matter is, if I, wasn't, if I didn't have the responsibilities that I have and I've had throughout my Christian journey, I will be less committed to God. But I can't come and stand here and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, church, praise the Lord. We're going to talk about the Bible. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And just waffle and, and hallelujah. And yes, Jesus is good. Yes, hallelujah. You come the first week, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory, hallelujah. Second week, some of you will not come. I mean, even now, this, this is the best we're giving you, and some of you don't come anyway. But imagine if it was like that. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> so for the sake of others, you sanctify yourself. You deny yourself. You set yourself apart. You commit yourself. You consecrate yourself so that others can benefit from your life. I conclude with this. How you sacrifice how you sacrifice. As you submit yourself to God, as you give yourself to God, in fact, I've already touched on that, so I don't want to go on it. Um, let me just close with this. Not how you sacrifice, what you sacrifice. What do you sacrifice? First and foremost, you sacrifice yourself, like he tells us in Romans 12. You sacrifice yourself. You give yourself. This is the most important sacrifice you can give to God. In 1 Chronicles 21, 24, David said something. He said, I will not offer to the Lord that which does not cost me, or that which costs me nothing. I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. If you are going to offer something to the Lord, make sure it costs you. You know, today Christianity is taught in such a way to make people feel good about their flesh. To make people feel comfortable. And preachers like me are berated as legalistic and pe making people feel bad about themselves. Yes, I want you to feel bad about your flesh so that you can save your soul. Yeah. So when it comes to sacrifice... Most important sacrifice is you give yourself. That's why you take up the cup of salvation. You give yourself to God. And then the second thing is, once you give yourself to God, in fact, out of that, everything else will flow. So you give yourself to God. So that's why we surrender our lives to Christ. People think that to, to be born again, you have to ask God to forgive you of your sins. You'll be here all day. Every sin, in fact, you, would, you can't remember. 
How long have you lived? That's probably how long you need to confess all your sins. But you put your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you. And you receive by faith what Jesus did on the cross. And from that place of faith, you begin to offer, first and foremost, your heart, which is surrendering your will to God and allow his word to have preeminence in your life. Faith is the only currency we exchange in God's kingdom in order for us to appropriate what is ours in his kingdom. The only thing God requires is faith, that we trust what he says. So when you surrender your life to Christ, it's your first act of faith. And even the faith is a gift that you receive. And you enter into God's undeserved favor called grace. Secondly, once you give your heart, you give your time. The priority I give God when it comes to my time demonstrates the value I place on him. Now, it does not mean you should be in church 24-7, otherwise you will die. What? If you're here, you're not going to eat, you're not going to sleep, you're going to die within seven days, most of you will be dead. So, it's not about being in church every day, it's not about even reading your Bible every day or praying every day. It's about giving God the priority he deserves of your time within the context that you find yourself in. So, coming to church on a Sunday, for instance, the time you got here was an expression of your worship. Let's move on quickly with that one. <laughs> and on that note, that happy note, I will close because I've gone over time. So the rest of the notes are there. And uh, I just want to encourage you. What will you offer to the Lord? Is it your time? Is it your wealth? Is it your relationships? Is it your reputation? Is it your words? What will you offer to the Lord? I want to pray with you before I hand back to Steve. And I want to pray, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray for anybody here who perhaps doesn't know the Lord or knew the Lord, Angela touched on it earlier, and has lost their way. And they want to rededicate themselves to him. If that is you, I want to 